I've been doing a lot of thought too about, you know, self-care is the foundation for service. Uh, one of our captains, and I know he didn't coin this phrase, but he'll frequently say, I am here for we, and we are here for them. And the very first part of that is I, I have to take care of myself so that I can be here for we, which is our crew or coworkers, and then we take care of each other so we can best support our community. Welcome to a podcast dedicated toward the distribution of evidence-based application of research, information, and training methods to assist the wellness initiative of the fire and rescue community. I'm your host, Hussein Jabbat, and this is RIT Team Radio. Welcome to episode nine of RIT Team Radio, where I am again joined by Ryan Provencher of Firefighter Peak Performance. And I'm going to go ahead and let Ryan introduce our topic for today. Hello, everybody, and thanks again for having me on the show. I always love talking with you. Um, there's someone I follow in, in the public service space. His name's Gordon Graham. He's a public speaker, and he just has has pearls of wisdom all over the place. And, and one of the things that he frequently says that really resonates with me is if it's measurable, it's manageable. And there's so much of the things that you and I have talked about over the last few months about firefighter health and wellness and fitness and you know how, we, how can we be more intentional about supporting each other and even supporting our own health and wellness. So in the spirit of kind of coming up with just talking about concepts. And I just want to also say up front that both of the things we're going to talk about today, you can go so much deeper into each of them. And I'm I'm going to talk and we're going to talk about these things really at the surface while recognizing there's there are ways to get much more specific and, and scientific about it. But uh, I think it'd be fun for us just to kind of keep it at the surface and talk about the idea of allostatic load and how it is applied to firefighters. And in, in very simple terms, it's basically the effects of chronic stress on the body, on the person. And, and so coming back to Gordon Graham, uh, measurable and manageable, how can we as firefighters qualify the stress that we're experiencing? And it's different for all of us. And once we qualify it, what are the, some of the strategies that we can incorporate into our lives to, to stay healthy and to, to, maintain resilience and wellness throughout our careers. So that's that's one thing I'd love to talk with you about is allostatic load and then a specific piece of that, which is more in our wheelhouse in terms of exercise science and physical training is total training load. And again, you could do such a deep dive on it, but from my perspective and for this conversation, it's just simply rating of perceived exertion on a scale of one to 10 times duration in hours. So. You can look at that as a single workout. I really love this concept in a recruit academy setting because it really does bring intention to how hard recruits are working over a period of time. And as coaches and instructors, how do we manage the total training load in academy to better control or, or, or manage even the total allostatic load with the other stresses that they're experiencing in academy? So uh, that's something, this is something very interesting to me. I've thought about it a lot over the years and uh, I'm looking forward to talking with you about it. Yeah. And, and so like you mentioned, and uh, I mean, a, a couple of things you mentioned, but the first was, this is very surface level, right? We're talking about the concept as a whole, and we're talking about, um, uh, you know, 
just briefly discussing segments of that concept. But if you want to go further in depth, there's so much more information out there. And by all means, if there's certain aspects of this concept that you want discussed, we can always come back. I mean, this could be episode 12. It can be episode 50, episode 100, whatever. We can always come back and talk about uh, a an aspect of the concept uh, a little bit further. But uh, on top of that, you know, you, you, you mentioned the academy setting. So meaning when uh, you brought up kind of a timeline within the career is that there's different aspects of awareness or there's different things to consider throughout your timeline or throughout the duration uh, within the service with within being a firefighter, or whether you go uh, your duration as a cadet, then as an operator, more specifically with operations and then administration, command staff and so forth. So um, uh, kind of give a little insight into you mentioned the recruit side. So let's start with the recruit academy. What does allostatic load look like? And how do you how do you monitor uh, again us as as the exercise science professionals or those more geared toward the strength and conditioning and the physical fitness component, is that the only thing you look at? Or are there other areas that cadets as well as instructors should be aware of? Yeah, I do believe that's the primary kind of stress that recruits experience because Recruit Academy is such a physical endeavor over a period of months. And I believe that in a firefighting career, that is the most physically demanding Time frame that we will ever experience in our careers is, is Recruit Academy. So, so really making sure we're paying attention to and managing the physical demands of Recruit Academy is absolutely critical. The other side of that is the academic side. The, these recruits are required to learn and, and remember and uh, really understand uh, all sorts of concepts and skills and there's a whole academic side that is really important and it's stressful you know if are they digging into their sleep so that they're better prepared for academics and if so what's the negative impact of that and how do we manage that as instructors and then the other thing the third piece that i i perceive in terms of allostatic load for recruits is their job is in constant jeopardy they feel that they feel that and and of course we try to and I think this is a strategy for coaches and instructors to consider instead of being kind of more a little bit old school boot camp drill sergeant with recruits, it's an adult learning environment. And we're really respecting them as individuals. We value the life experience they bring in and we just help them understand that, hey, we're here to support you. We're not here to, to wash you out or or somehow put this arbitrary stress on you. We want to support you in being successful. And in my mind, a big part of that is making sure they feel safe to make mistakes and they don't have to carry the weight of worry that their job is on the line every day. Now, the fact of the matter is they have, they have to perform and they have to meet the standards in order to be successful. But I think there's a lot we can do just through a, a, a an adult learning environment to help folks feel supported through the whole experience. I like how you mentioned the three different and and uh, obviously there might be other uh, uh, pathways. There might be even uh, break this down even in, into uh, smaller chunks. But you mentioned the physical fitness aspect or physical fitness component, the curriculum component, and then kind of categorize sleep and let's say lifestyle behavior right outside yep. of the actual academy setting. Mm -hmm. And so it's being familiar with 
the curriculum because the physical fitness component, that's what you're regulating as the instructor, right? If we're talking to the instructor, you're the one in charge of regulating that, but maybe you're not the one teaching the different topics within the academy. So you're not, not that you're not as aware if you're an operator have been an operator in the past, then you're more aware of what the curriculum may look like. If you're someone like myself, where my background is exercise science, but I have not specifically specifically gone through the the fire academy and um, turned around and, and have I have not been an operator before. So those aspects of actual hands-on understanding, I've had to go through and you know participate in some live burns and and observe different trainings and have a better awareness. So. First is knowing what's going on within that curriculum setting. Then one thing you can mad, uh, uh, manage if you're the instructor is that physical fitness component. But let's say you're the cadet. The third component you can manage and, and do your best to, to manage is going to be that lifestyle behavior outside of the academy itself. Because being that cadet, curriculum's not going to change. You can't, you're not the one deciding to change it you're not the one deciding to change physical fitness. Now, hopefully the instructor can manage that pretty well. So let's say those two components are uh, pretty solid. Then that third component is what falls on you as the cadet. That's what you're managing. Your sleep, your recovery, your hydration, nutrition, everything that you're able to manipulate. Yeah, and I think that all of that starts with uh, building trust between the academy staff and the Recruit Academy class from the very beginning on day one. And what that looks like in my mind is first of all, clearly stating expectations for the recruits and then committing as a staff and an organization to supporting people in meeting those expectations. You know, is the, is the support adequate? Yes or no. And if the answer is yes, well then now we can do some performance improvement plans and set up, you know, a little bit of extra stuff to, to further support folks. But I think that's critical right up front. And then coming back to things that I think you and I have talked about before, this whole idea of in-season athletes and how when you're in season, everything is different than how you approach things in the off-season. And, and as we know, in public service, there isn't technically an in-season or off-season, but I, will, I do believe that that Recruit Academy training period is as close to a very specific season in, in a career as you can get. And so really getting buy-in from recruits to manage their lifestyle in a way that they may not do for the rest of their career, but they're really committing to self-care and recovery and resilience for this three-month period that they know they're committed to Recruit Academy. And then knowing that the Academy staff is there to support them, not there to wash them out. Well, and to add to that, we have to have a better understanding, right? This is a very broad overview because we have to understand the not the nature of the academy but the structure of graduation requirements right because if there's physical ability testing that are mandatory like you have to pass to graduate um, let's say there's those kind of tests then the way you might structure to prep the cadet um, to pass that test might be different than if you know they don't have to pass a test to graduate. You're just giving them resources throughout that duration, if that makes sense. It, it changes the mentality from, hey, here's resources. Let's help you improve by all means. Let's help you improve to the best of our ability. But at the end of the day, you have to pass this physical ability test, this fitness uh, test to be able to graduate. Um, so it kind of changes the mentality there. 
Um, but in an ideal world, and this is some uh, some things I've been trying to work with academies on is un unless you have an entry level test, an entry level physical fitness test, then you have no idea who's showing up on day one or what their physical abilities are, uh, their physical fitness level is going to be. So having some sort of assessment is going to be amazing. But if you can develop, and that's that's uh, one thing I've been trying to work with a couple of academies on is some kind of onboarding process where, hey, let's have a minimum level of knowledge and experience because a lot of the cadets in all honesty have no sport background, maybe have never touched or I'm not going to say haven't seen a weight before, but maybe have never actually participated in organized exercise. So how do we build up the best we can prior to the academy? And then what does that look like throughout the duration of the academy? So from an instructor standpoint, but then in a cadet standpoint, being more aware of okay, what does this process look like for me? Do I have a test I need to pass or not? Am I prepping for um, that new hire test that may be an agency? Maybe you're not sponsored in that academy and you're prepping for that new hire uh, physical ability test that an agency might be hosting for you to, to be on board. So maybe you're prepping during the academy for that test. So then that's extra stress, but then that's also you need to be aware of what training are you doing to prep for that? So that all comes back to the idea that we started with, uh, Gordon Graham. If it's measurable, it's manageable, right? And so, you know, we're talking about baseline assessment up front, just so we have information about where folks are starting. We're clearly defining expectations and we're committing to providing support and meeting those expectations. And then in my mind, now that you've done those things up front, coming back to the idea of total training load when it comes to the physicality of Recruit Academy and allostatic load when we're talking about the stress on the recruit, the chronic stress on the recruit over this period of months, we can have a conversation every week with each recruit and the academy staff because we've we've built we've built trust up front. We've got an adult learning environment that we're working in. They they feel safe in having some open conversation about how things are going. And again, I think it puts everybody in a in a really great position to uh, uh, to set people up to be successful. And, and I know you and I have talked about this. I, I can't recall if this was on uh, one of the prior episodes or not, but we talked about the first couple of weeks, just defining and helping facilitate movement patterns and yeah. quality of movement. And sure. when we look at overuse injuries and we talk about um, uh, just chronic strain over time, if you think about, from a building up to a program and then graduating the program, usually, and in many cases, what we observe is four weeks to eight weeks before the academy, everyone gets the, the this inspiration to start training super hard, right? Mm -hmm. So like, hey, let's, let's, let's start running every day for five weeks before the academy. And then five weeks into the academy, overuse injury, right? And you're talking about just strain over time plus maybe more of the hands-on stuff they're doing within the academy is just all of this accumulates uh, together. So uh, you and I talked a little bit, and I want you to kind of bring up how from a daily uh, RPE, and you've mentioned before uh, on here, but also we talked about from a movement and pain-free standpoint throughout the academy, um, I want you to kind of talk about that, that scale, right? Yeah. To be able to indicate quality of movement. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so another Gordon Graham quote comes to mind. He often says, if it's predictable, it's preventable. Right. And so we know that if we just keep the foot on the gas, you know, week after week after week, that just really is setting folks up for overuse injuries or, or the things that we just do not want to see in recruit Academy. So uh, the, the way I, from a, from a physical training standpoint, I try to categorize, we, we work out for one hour at the very start of the day in Academy and our academies up here are four days a week. So we are with the recruits and we're guiding them through their physical training four days a week. And then, but their programming goes all the way through the weekend. And we, we, we highly encourage them to participate in the programming seven days a week. And what that looks like when we talk about total training load or really kind of trying to account for the stress that we know that the recruit is going to experience over the months, it's, it's really ident- uh, looking at moderate intensity training, high intensity training, low intensity training and what I would call no intensity training. And so if we look at total training load and we do just the simple math of RPE times duration and hours, well, if we're doing high high intensity interval training for let's say 20 minutes and we're we're asking the recruits subjectively to to kind of rate that on on a 10 scale, that just gives us a sense of how hard they're working versus maybe downshifting to something more moderate and then uh, being very intentional about multiple yoga days that, that we would call low intensity, or if they're going to, if they're going to jog, it's, it's a low intensity jog. It's not a, they're not doing sprints or anything like that. And then maybe, maybe just some real light, light joint mobility on, on a day. So when you look at a seven day week and you look at a wave, we have a tendency to kind of front load just Monday, Tuesday, it's a little bit of the moderate, even touching high intensity if the recruit chooses to, and then tapering through the end of the week, it's all recovery-based from the physical training standpoint. And then also when you're looking at recruit academy programming on the occupational side, we know that firefighter survival, very high total training load, hose evolutions, high training load, sitting in class for hazardous materials, not so much. So how can we also periodize the occupational training in Recruit Academy so that we're, we're also managing the total training load from the occupational side of things. So it's, it's like putting all these puzzle pieces together, but it's in a way that's very intentional. Oh yeah. 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 And one uh, uh, area that I've started to explore and not necessarily on the um, how you've gone the path of quality of movement and on a scale of, you know, pain-free and so forth, I've ventured uh, more on just intensity, like how intense the training session was. So cadets every single day, uh, two, twofold. One was recovery. So at the beginning of the day they did, um, and it, I don't know what you would, what you would call it. It was just an emotional mental, um, questionnaire where it had pictures of like happy face, sad face, angry face, and all those things. And they would yeah. just choose a, a mental state. And then there was a, um, a Likert scale of uh, one through five, how recovered were you, right? So that was first. And then after training, they do an RPE of how difficult the training session was. That's how I've been navigating. I'm, I'm going to continue that process. But then also I'm going to have instructors and hopefully with great collaboration with these academies. So yeah. if you are, say, a, a firefighter or an instructor for academies, whether you're on 
the occupational training or the physical fitness instruction is uh, one of the entities we work with, they're going to have their instructors put RPEs to each of their subjects. So now you can have a calendar and it goes, you know, this subject is a seven, this is a nine, this is a one, this is a three. So from an instructor perspective, I can look at it from the physical fitness and go, hey, or the the one in charge, the lead director goes, hey, why do we have three nines back to back? Why can't we manipulate occupational training to best serve the cadet? Now, it also depends on when tests and and all those you know yep. play a play a role, okay. but from an academy standpoint, you can you can have a better insight of just the occupational strain just from those just from an RPE from the instructors. Yes. Yep. So that that was an interesting one of our entities said, "Why don't we just have instructors do RPEs?" And we we're like, "Yes, we love that idea because yes. it gets their insight." So, and, and then match it with that. the cadets. That's a whole different world, right? Yep. yep. So, so um, uh, just w- while we can, how do strategies change? So let's say we, um, and there's so many more strategies and so many different ways to perceive the uh, academy setting. But yep. let's say someone's transitioning. They've graduated. They're now incumbent uh, operator and strategies, load changes, um, what what does that look like for that individual? Yeah. And so coming back to allostatic load and total training load, you know, when folks come into operations, now they're on shift work, you know, however many shifts they have per month, you know, the, the total training load from a physical exertion standpoint just will not be what it was in academy, even for the hard chargers that are working out hard and, and are very active, the, the physical demands are going to be decreased relative to academy. So that's that's important to know because it frees folks up now to to maybe not be confined by, by what you and I have described as in-season athletes. Now, now they're they're definitely in season from a from an occupational standpoint, but not from the intensity of recruiting academy. So so that changes. With that said, now it is important to note okay, well, what, what are the new stressors that they're going to experience? And the things that come to mind for me and my experience is, for one, sleep deprivation, circadian rhythm disruption. These are things, especially for folks that don't have experience on shift work, this is new for them. And it's impactful for sure. For all, for all of us, you can talk all about the studies of sleep deprivation and the impacts of that. Uh, I believe the World Health Organization has even gone as far as to describe it as carcinogenic uh, uh, as well. So sleep is a is a big one. The other one is mental and emotional health related to the trauma that we experience on the job. And so you don't have to be in the fire service very long to to witness the tragedy that that is just unfortunately all too common in our society. So so okay, geez, if if the physical demand isn't the primary uh, challenge any longer, it's important to identify what are the new challenges in this conversation, sleep and, and mental and emotional trauma. And then now, now how do we support mitigating that? And how do we educate our, our firefighters to really take ownership of optimizing their sleep where they can? And there's so many things that people can do to really uh, optimize their sleep, even, even with shift work. And then now more than ever in the fire service, we're really uh, recognizing the, the importance of mental and emotional health and and I'm proud to say in my observation in the fire service, the stigma around mental health is is shifting quickly and it's changing. And we're really 
supporting people and prioritizing uh, mental health and, and wellness. So to me, that's the shift that occurs. It's, it's really reevaluating the allostatic load, which again is just chronic stress on the, on the person, how they're and different people are different, how are they impacted? How's the individual being impacted and how can we as a fire service support everyone in, in being resilient and being healthy? When on top of the physical strain, decreasing from an occupational sense. Now, don't get me wrong. You'll have some shifts where you're just, your, your body is worn, worn down. Like you will just have those high frequency days or high call load days yep. um, and intense calls and, and so forth. Like you'll have those, but from a day-to-day standpoint, but then it turns around and now it's your responsibility. And, and maybe, you know, it's, there's not as many agencies out there, but maybe your agency has a strength and conditioning wellness program, injury, injury mitigation program. Maybe that's there, but even then it's not, it's mandatory every single day. Like in the Academy, you have that instructor there and you're going through PT. Um, so then it's on you to keep up with the physical fitness component. Uh, but with that being said, when you mentioned the mental and emotional standpoint and that that switch from the high physical strain to the uh, mental emotional side, uh, also think, and I know some people go into the academy at different times in their life and different ages and so forth, and not putting, I'm just thinking from a general stand, from a general perspective is you, you usually start in a time frame um, where maybe not as much. Uh, not necessarily family, but let's say marital or financial situa- uh, situations or responsibilities. And then once you graduate and you're uh, an incumbent for a couple of years, you know, you start gathering those responsibilities. Maybe you start having kids, new car, yeah. new house, okay. right? All those yeah. things. And it was interesting for me. And I, I haven't, I mean, I, I don't go searching for it, but I haven't seen as much promoted um, that I have on the law enforcement side with uh, financial workshops. And so I'm assuming there's going to be plenty out there. I'm sure I can uh, pull up Google and look for them, but what's good in the first responder in general, in general, the public safety and first responder community is more of how do I budget? How do I look at my finances? How do I, cause that's real life problems that you might not have you might early on within, within the Academy, but Usually it happens later on when you're looking at buying a house and all those bigger purchases and uh, having kids and so forth. So that starts to accumulate as well when you talk about the mental and emotional side. For sure. And that comes all the way back in our whole conversation about just being aware as an individual and all of these life events impact your, 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 your well-being. Uh, and so it doesn't, the things that we're talking about often are work-related but to your point, there's so many things that aren't work-related, whether it's finances or relationship or kids or just whatever the case may be, but it all counts. It's not one or the other. It all counts. And I just, um, I really am hopeful that as a fire service in general and individual firefighters, we can really begin to learn how to increase our awareness around what causes negative stress. Not all stress is bad, but what causes negative stress for us and then really having easy access to, to resources and tools to help us manage that. So are there other, and again, I'm sure they're out there, but any specific, um, uh, more of mitigative, more of uh, not necessarily injury prevention, but things that operators can do within the duration of being involved in operations 
um, before we tie into kind of the differences between operations and administration? Yeah, and I think I think one thing that's helpful, and again, it's it's all just about measuring things so that we can manage them, right? And and even if uh, I think maybe we've talked before, my my friend Ed Lippy called it the wellness wheel, right? And and it's just these things that we can all agree, really, for any human being, but unique to public safety and and to firefighters. You know, we talk about sleep, we talk about movement, we talk about nutrition, we talk about stress management, we talk about mental and emotional health, like on this wheel of wellness, then we can go into detail. We can talk about relationships. We can talk about finances. We can talk about all of these other things. But if if the individual can just really start to develop awareness around their own wellness wheel and, and how they're feeling day to day. And I, I really like how you even describe the the faces and and on this scale, like it's it's really that simple. Like we're, you know, simple but not easy. I'll, I'll say that these things, these concepts are simple. Managing them are, are not at all easy. But if you can just as an individual develop some awareness around what your own wellness, and then if you can identify, man, I've been up every night, every shift, all month, sleep deprivation is really impacting me. What are some strategies I can I can look at to, to take more ownership of my sleep? Or gosh, I've had a, a string of really bad calls, really traumatic calls. My mental health is being impacted. I need to be more proactive in seeking some help in managing that. Or gosh, I'm, I'm going through a divorce and it's and it's really impacting my personal life and also affecting my work. You know, really taking proactive steps to to manage that uh, as as someone's navigating a life a life event like that. So that's that's kind of the context of, of our conversation. In my mind, is if it's measurable, it's manageable. So the first step is really each of us identifying how we're being personally affected by these things that that we experience in life and at work, and then really taking ownership of uh, being proactive in in managing that. So how would you say the difference in and and doesn't mean the responsibilities and the strain and the stress that you had within operations just goes away, but what are maybe some additional uh, stressors, additional amount of strain when someone transitions to more uh, command staff at an administration level? Yeah, and and I'll just share a little bit of my personal experience because I've I've gone through a little bit of this uh, recently. So uh, you know, I went into the training division. I was in there for 10 years. And then now I had an opportunity to go back into operations as a battalion chief. So I was training division chief for 10 years. I'm more recently working as a battalion chief. And one thing I just couldn't imagine going into fire service administration is the stress that you experience. And you talk about allostatic load. Am I, is my sleep disrupted? No, it's not at all. Am I experiencing, you know, these traumatic calls that the crews on the floor experience? No, I'm not experiencing any of that. But what I did experience, I think this is very common for fire service administrators. And uh, there's an author I read, I'd have to, uh, uh, I believe his name's Ajuna George, but he uh, made reference to what he called, I think moral injury was the term that he used. And that is just simply, firefighters are problem solvers. And when you're in operations, you, you, quickly solve a problem. I mean that, and then you, and then the next one, and then the next one, the next one, the tempo of problem solving. I mean, it's instantaneous. When you're in administration, for one, there's just a long list of challenges that are, that there's no finish line. Like you, you might resolve a, a project or, or meet a benchmark and then the next one comes in. There's no, 
there's no end to it. And that's, it takes you a while to realize that because we're, we're problem solvers and we're expecting to solve problems. We're not, we're, we're sprinters that aren't necessarily set up to run the marathon. So that's just one thing I, I experienced. And then there, there's just challenges that nobody could control, whether it's staffing setbacks or budget challenges, but, you know, maybe politics are impacting the organization or, or the, or the agency and no one can control those things. Those are, those are natural things that happen in public service, but when we care the way that we do and we're, we're so accustomed to solving problems, it becomes very stressful when you, when you feel you can't do that. And so, you know, you might, you might find yourself at three in the morning, just obsessing about uh, a problem in the fire department that you just really have no ability to solve in the short term. And there's stress associated with that. When, you know, from a, and again, I can't speak from personal experience, but just collaborating with different entities and just the structure, uh, the hierarchy structure in general, right. Is from uh, the ground level or frontline level, you want something done, but you need the approval of command staff. And so you send it up the chain ah. and you're like, I just need a yes or no. But then it gets to command staff and they're like, well, I need to solve five other things to even be able to give you an answer. Oh, and so it's just a different perspective of the same problem, right? For like sure. the, uh, Because of course you have different functions to that, but it's having to put out, you know, pun intended, put out 10 other fires before yeah. you can answer that one, that one question. Sure. Um, and, and from a frontline perspective, it's like, just give me a yes or no. And this happens no matter what, profession you're in right you send it up the chain just give me a straight answer and it it doesn't always work that way or maybe it's an ongoing like eventually 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 and you're in, going toward the right direction there's just so many other pieces of that puzzle you have to put in put in place first and then the second thing that came to mind for me was when we talked about regulating the physical strain um the um occupational and then the lifestyle and behavior side. And if you have, and when you have on command, uh, command staff, more administrative level where mental, emotional stress is super high, occupational stress from a, again, mental, emotional side is super high. What is left for, and, and usually command staff kind of gets this uh, negative stigma of not being physically active. That's just very common within administration. Not all, I have no plenty of uh, uh, chiefs and those within, uh, within administration that are very proactive and stay very physically active. But, you know, what is the first thing that goes when you're trying to solve all these different problems and you're, the stress is super high and, and so forth. So um, that's, that's usually from observation and we think, okay, well, they're just, they're just sitting all day and answering the phone and and maybe walking around and and mentioning some things or talking to some people, but there's so much more, again, if you're trying to one, build a wellness program within your agency is have that awareness and kind of where the stress and strain is coming from. Uh, but then if you're that operator, if you're that uh, personnel, that individual, understand you yourself being aware, right? And then intentional, what decisions, what behavioral changes you can make to try and regulate some and then be able to pour some strain in other buckets. To, to say the least. Yeah, no, and that's true. And that's, you know, coming up in the fire service, we talk about physical fitness for firefighters, you know, over and over and over again. I rarely, if ever, hear that applied to 
firefighters that are now working in administration. So, and then again, just my own experience, really recognizing how easy it is an eight hour day, even a 10 hour day goes by in the blink of an eye when you're engaged in these this deep work or these these projects that just require a lot of attention or you're you're deeply committed to advocating for your people. And, and there's a lot of people. So uh, there's a lot of work that goes into for advocating for folks that that need your support. And so you can just really quickly see how those sacrifices are made. And so my recommendation, and it kind of ties into this whole conversation is step one, just take inventory. You know, where, where, where is the stress? And okay, great. What, what strategies are available to us to help mitigate that? And if there are any administrators listening out there, I just can't encourage you enough to, for one, just set some boundaries around the work that you're doing, recognizing that we aren't uh, immediate problem solvers. We're project managers and program managers, and, and these things take time. It's a marathon, not a sprint, so to speak. And then how, do, how can you structure your day to really incorporate self-care throughout your day? And, and I will say one of the things I loved about being in administration is I slept every night and I really committed to getting at least seven hours when I could, and that was amazing. I would get up in the morning and work out at the same time every day. And I, I had control of that because I'm not going on calls. The pager's not going off. Uh, the structure of the admin assignment, it really sets that up quite nicely. And then in terms of my meal planning, I could eat at the same time every day and not, again, not worry about the pager going off or some other disruption to the day. So there are so many advantages in terms of taking ownership of your health and wellness when you are on a, some sort of administrative assignment. But, but again, it's simple, but it's not easy. It's very, very difficult to set aside time for yourself when you know that other people need things from you. And, but the only way, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of thought too about, you know, self-care is the foundation for service. Uh, one of our captains, and I know he didn't coin this phrase, but he'll frequently say, I am here for we, and we are here for them. And the very first part of that is I, I have to take care of myself so that I can be here for we, which is our crew or coworkers, and then we take care of each other so we can best support our community. But it starts with some awareness of your own stress and uh, some sort of commitment to, ma to managing that. Uh, I, I like when we do these, uh, these podcast episodes and when we collaborate and just regroup because every single time we talk about stuff and it's one, self-reflecting, right? We talk about strategies that, that we implement, but then two, like for me, uh, recently, the past couple of weeks, I've just started utilizing. And again, you know, I mentioned in previous podcasts, you can use a, any devices that help you measure. Again, if you can measure it, you can change it or you can manage it. Yep. And I started using the journal within Whoop. Uh, if you're familiar with the daily journal, right, yeah. that you can utilize. Yep. And the I used it for a while more on like, okay, did I uh, consume uh, fish oil or creatine or caffeine or see sunlight, like more of those kind of questions. And then now I've started gearing my questions toward uh, stress and uh, my more emotional state and kind of tying those into too. And what's awesome is you kind of get that feedback just by answering those questions. And the reason I'm bringing that up is we mentioned RPE and stuff more within the academy setting um, and with programming directly. And when you get into operations, when you get into administration, don't be afraid of answering those questions where it has a smiley face, frowny face, angry face, and so forth. Because you actually have to sit there and think when you're answering that in the morning, 
Like, did I wake up upset? Like it, it just, you just take that step back. And so I've actually, uh, as we talk, like, uh, I've started self-reflecting in this past, like two or three weeks, I just added it from a, an awareness standpoint. It's not like I wake up every day and, and you could, everyone goes through stuff, but even if you're happy or you wake up and you're like, nothing's wrong, just that 30 seconds of going, well, how do I really feel this morning? Or do I really feel energetic? This says I'm recovered. Am I really energetic? Do I feel like taking on so much responsibility today? And it just allows you to actually, again, using your words, being intentional and being aware of what is actually going on. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the crux of it all. And again, you know, when you, when we have these conversations, uh, we, we go down different rabbit holes, we talk about all sorts of different things. And I, I just want to bring it back to just, again, some simple concepts that are not easy. And so I just want to, I want to put that out there. Folks listening, none of this is easy, but, but the concepts are simple, right? So Gordon Graham, if it's, if it's, uh, measurable, it's manageable. Well, the first step of measuring something is just to account for it. So just that daily self check-in that you're describing, that is a form of major measurement. And then if either you're, you're feeling great, wow, what, what's contributing to that? What, what is happening in your life that's contributing to that positive feeling? And let's kind of keep going with that. Or maybe you're not feeling great. Maybe, maybe there's some negative emotion or feeling there. What's underneath that? What's causing that? Is it is it sleep deprivation? Is, is it a traumatic event at work? Is it a relationship that's causing stress or a project that's causing stress? And then if you can measure that or be aware of it, then how do I best manage that? And there's so much information out there. And, and I think you and I are both committed to sharing information and strategies with folks about how to how to be resilient and how to maintain fitness and wellness and all that stuff. But it's readily available and whatever you're dealing with, you know, you're not the first person to deal with it. And, and now more than ever, the firefighters have access to, to information to help us uh, deal with these things. 